Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Well, that's why you keep it locked here to KTAR, because we break the news. You just heard it, Alec Baldwin, the actor, had been charged in the Rust movie shooting where a cinematographer was killed accidentally. He was charged with involuntary manslaughter. Uh, so this is something that's going to be now is going to be big news around for quite a while. That was such a tragic thing that happened. There are no, There is no happy ending to that story whatsoever. It's tough because it was an accident, but there was a lot of negligence in there, and I think that's where the charges come from. So many people handle those firearms, and there is a protocol that is supposed to be people that hand off a firearm that's supposed to have dummy rounds in it. You're supposed to check and recheck and recheck, and when you're the last person that handles that firearm, and you're the one that's supposed to point it at someone because it's being used as a prop and discharging blanks, you have the ultimate responsibility to make sure everybody else did their job by verifying yourself that that live round, that there isn't a live round in there. So this is uh, something obviously we'll be covering as it goes on. We'll find out more. It's taken a long time to get to the charges. We'll find out if and when there's going to be a trial. He may make a plea agreement. Who knows? But um, that's it. Alex Baldwin has been charged with involuntary manslaughter in the death of a cinematographer during the movie. It was a low-budget Western called Rust. And uh, so that's the big news going on right now. There's an interesting story. It's a program. Everything's an acronym, and it's called TRAC, T-R-A-C, and it is a surveillance program, and there was some information uncovered by the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU. I want to read you a quote from the deputy director. Um, and uh, what's in, what's interesting about this is uh, the quote is the biggest question we have right now is how this program could have gone on for so long. Um, the records we received uncover a staggering scope of mass surveillance by the state of Arizona of not only Arizona residents, but of people across the country. So I want you to hear a little bit about this. Uh, this is Joe Dana over at Channel 12 uh, doing a report talking about some of the major questions in this case. How much leeway should law enforcement have to spy on activities of people in this country in the name of public safety? And at what point does that infringe on our right to privacy? And that has always been the argument with surveillance uh, is, is how do you balance privacy with protection? And, uh, you know, when you go to get I, I have never I've never been a police officer, although I'm brothers to a police officer and I've had many conversations with my friends in law enforcement. The idea that we think something is going on is not good enough in order to get a search warrant or some kind of a surveillance order, whether it's, you know, tapping their phones or otherwise. There has to have be reasonable suspicion. There has to be some evidence that this is going on. I'll give you an example of how dangerous it can be. Um, if you live in a neighborhood and across the street from you, there's some young people that live there. They have traffic coming and going at the house all day long, foot traffic and car traffic, people spending 30 or 40 seconds at the door, maybe a little bit more at all hours of the night. And then they're back in their car. They're walking away. And you think to yourself, my gosh, they've got, you know, that's got to be a drug dealer. There's got to be drug dealers going, drug deals going on in that house. And you call the police department and you, you, you explain to them what's going on. And somebody comes out and takes your report. They don't go back and get a search warrant for that house, nor do they get a surveillance order for their 
their phones or anything else. That's not evidence. It's a suspicion, and it may be an educated suspicion, but they have to develop evidence. They have to send undercover people in there to make a buy at that house and have bought drugs, and from that you can get a search warrant. In other words, there has to be evidence of wrongdoing, not just a suspicion of wrongdoing before any of these things happen. So balancing now with this program is the Attorney General, uh, Chris Mays, and we've reached out to our office, but we did it late this morning, so we have not heard back yet. We're also reaching out to the ACLU to get more information from them on this. Um, but the uh, the Attorney General, Chris Mays, is defending this, uh, saying that this allows them – to stop or at least intervene in a lot of different things where money is being laundered and transferred due to illegal um, operations such as drugs and sex and human trafficking. So that's kind of what's going on. So what is this track program? Again, this is Channel 12. This is Joe Dana. The program is known as the Transaction Record Analysis Center or TRAC. Its existence is coming as a shock to many Americans today. Former Attorney General Mark Burnovich turned over public records to the ACLU before he left office, revealing details, it's been in place since 2010. The database contains millions of financial transactions of people wiring money in and out of Arizona. And we're talking about transactions of over $500 uh, if coming and going Arizona, Texas, I believe New Mexico, California, but other states where transactions, money transactions, transfers going into and out of Mexico uh, to the tune of $500 or more. And this surveillance program has been going on. We all have a right to question oversight. Um, I've done I did my May a couple years ago with the Patriot Act. Uh, I know that there are many people that defend the Patriot Act as it is now, but originally it was supposed to be so narrow and and we understand human nature is is trying to expand in the interest of law and order and safety but we under you can't infringe on people's privacy and years ago i was supporting the patriot act i thought it was something after 9-11 that would be necessary for the country and people warned what it would turn into it would be abused by some people even if it was being abused in in the name of things that were good um it still is an abuse you can't invade people's privacy so uh, what the and I, I, this is a great report over at Channel 12 and, and, and Joe Dana goes on to talk about law enforcement and the ACLU. Now, the ACLU says surveillance programs like this have already ruled constitutional in court. They are calling for the program to be shut down immediately. Law enforcement says it's an important to, to, tool to identify trends in crime and has resulted in leads involving money laundering and cartels. It is unusual, though, and the AG's office does not have to prove suspicion a crime occurred to get access to the wire transfer. For information. And that's the thing. That's where the rub is for a lot of people, as I just said to you, under normal circumstances. And maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I shouldn't say maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are uh, places where this isn't the case. This may be one of them. Um, but it seems to reason that just because somebody believes you've done something wrong. Um, I, I know this may sound silly to a lot of you, but when I was younger, uh, much, much, much younger, I was given a financial settlement from a car crash. It wasn't a whole lot of money, but it was a little bit of money. And I went into business with some people and we opened a teen center in southwest florida and uh it was just a place for teenagers to play video games and listen to music and dance and and we thought it'd be a good idea to give these kids somewhere safe to go and i was young i was 18 maybe i was less than 20 years old i wasn't very old so i was driving around in a brand new vehicle and i was the owner a part owner a partner in this business and in the same plaza where we were and it wasn't a big place and it wasn't a fancy place but i had invested every bit of money i had in this place place. Um, 
next door to us, right next door to us in this storefront was a storefront church, uh, an evangelical church. And um, they didn't like us. They didn't like the music. They didn't like the lifestyle. They didn't like any of it. They hated it. And uh, the rumor was in town that I was a drug dealer that the money was coming from my drug business. I've never done drugs in my life. Never. I've never even smoked weed. Never in my life. But perception was young guy, brand new vehicle, buying a business, he must be a drug dealer. Is that enough evidence? Should the police in that part of town been able to search my vehicle, come search my home, have access to my bank records? That's the rub in privacy. And, you know, this is a big question. This is going to continue. And uh, as again, we've reached out to the attorney general's office, uh, but we reached out this morning. So it's not like they're not responding. We just haven't we didn't give them time, but hopefully we'll hear from them and maybe get the attorney general on. We're going to reach out to the ACLU and the people in charge of this and get their side of it, because I think it's an important story for everyone. Uh, Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk about smugglers. We're going to talk about the border and uh, a comment being made by the Congress about the inept behavior of the administration. All that's coming up in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right. And the ongoing story is we talk about the border and we talk about the issues at our southern border and the lack of addressing it coming from this administration. The vice president of the United States will be in Arizona today. She's talking. She is addressing uh, the uh, clean economy, the clean energy economy of the Biden administration. And there are questions about why aren't you visiting the border? You're in a border state. Why not go down to southern Arizona? Uh, The people of Yuma County have said recently farmers in Yuma have said that we are going to have some serious food insecurities because 90% of the leafy vegetables that we eat this time of year come from Yuma and the crops are being compromised and the crops are being tainted and contaminated because of the traffic of migrants through those crops and the contamination is threatening our food supply. They're calling it a natural disaster. They're saying though is unsustainable not the farmers anymore. Now this is Yuma as a whole, Yuma County. With this, What is happening right now is unsustainable. The mayor of New York has asked the governor to move migrants out of the city of New York to upstate New York. He again is making statements about how untenable this situation is. You're talking about a very liberal Democrat governor who is has called themselves, they've called themselves a sanctuary city in the past. Even they are at their limit saying that this is something that we cannot take. So to give you an example of what I consider to be those moments where you just shake your head and you think this can't be right. Um, I want you to hear this goes back to December when Kevin McCarthy was a representative before he was elected Speaker of the House, but he was talking about the omnibus bill and he was talking about uh, the, the things in it that were a Egregious, and he, one of the things he said with the, one of the things that is most egregious is what you're about to hear. But I know you care about the people on the border because you say so. It's just not the border of America. Because in this bill that you say you put people before politics, you put four hundred and ten million dollars for border security in Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Oman. You will fund walls and technology to protect the Middle East, but not to protect America. And what's worse, you brag about it. And I don't think he's wrong. Again, 
Washington is a partisan political town, and when you can get the advantage and you have the upper hand in messaging, you run with it. And that's a moment. This is a moment where the Republicans have the upper hand because of the inept workings of these, this administration on the border. And what's uh, to me is what's, what is encouraging is the um, that, that Democrats, and especially here in Arizona, there are certain things that are partisan issues, and they always will be, and I guess they should. There's a check and balance. You know, when you hold each other accountable and you call each other out. And so I I don't I don't have a problem with the adversarial two party system the way it is at all. I think it's 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 good for for things. But there are certain things that happen that both sides of the aisle say, you know, this is right or wrong. When it came to I was so encouraged when uh, the VA thing happened and it broke here in Arizona years ago where where uh, veterans were not getting the care they deserved. As a matter of fact, some of the leadership, the old leadership at the VA. And Phoenix were cooking the books and the statistics to make it look like veterans were getting care that they weren't. This was not a partisan issue. Democrats, as well as Republicans, both elected and voters themselves, citizens, jumped on and said, no way. You know, veterans are an issue. We may not agree with everything that goes on with war and with the military, but when it comes to the men and women who have served, we're pretty unified. Nothing is 100%, but we're pretty unified. And on this issue in Arizona, there may be differing attitudes about some of it, but even a huge number of Democrats are looking at this administration. And, I, and I, this is what I'm encouraged by, and I hope Republicans continue to do the same thing. When you defend your party, and I defend mine very often, but when you defend your party and then they do something that makes it indefensible and it makes you look bad because you're a vocal representative and a vocal defender of them. And it's not just because I'm on the radio. It's we all do this in our personal life. We have a, if you take a political stand, um, when you when you talk about uh, how great your party is and then they do something really dumb, I'm encouraged by the people that say, you know what, that was really dumb and hold your party accountable. You know, I love sports analogies. It's like being a fan of a sports team. You know, I'm a Cardinals fan. Taking your lumps. I am a Miami Hurricane through and through. I've been a Miami Hurricanes fan since I was a little boy. I've got a Miami Hurricanes tattoo on my forearm. That's how much of a fan I am of the U. And during the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, we were world beaters, man. We were just the the top of the list every year. And we were a dynasty. And we have been taking our lumps. And I deserve it, man. The Notre Dame fans that reach out to me and Ohio. State fans, and you got to take your lumps. There are times when you got to say, man, we are not doing a very good job. And it's just part of it. And if you're willing to do that, it gives you credibility. And this is one of those cases when it comes to this border issue. We all have to unify and hold whoever's accountable. And right now, it's the Democrats, it's the Joe Biden agenda, and we've got to hold them accountable and make this right. In a moment, an interesting topic. There is a story that says making yellow lights longer on surface streets in Phoenix makes the roads safer. I'm going to talk to you about this coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. 
All right, some interesting information on red light running. This was was a topic I talked about a long time ago, and we even talked to somebody, I believe, from the Department of Transportation in Phoenix and traffic control. Early data shows longer yellow lights reduce red light running in Phoenix. Now, there are some people that say that that's kind of bogus information, that if you just extend the yellow light, people get to understand that the yellow lights are longer and they still go through them thinking they can make it. But we all understand that something needs to be done. Arizona, or I'm sorry, Phoenix, I believe, for a while had the highest pedestrian death rate um, in in the country. And there's a few reasons for that. It's, you know, dark streets at night, wider streets here. Um, and they've put in those crosswalks with the flashing red lights. By the way, there needs to be a tutorial. Just as my public service announcement, here's how this works. When you see those crosswalks and those red lights start there, the yellow lights begin to flash. It's a yellow light, just like a yellow light. You know what I mean? You stop if you don't have time, but you can continue on. While the light is solid red, you have to stop like a red light. When the lights begin to blink, if the sidewalk or the crosswalk is empty, you can go. You're not going to get in trouble. So, But I do think they're valuable. The baseline data covering a 12-week period showed that 128,164 cars entered an intersection during a period known as All Red, and over 16,000 cars entered after All Red. All Red is used to, for the interval meant to provide adequate time for a driver who enters the intersection during a yellow light to clear the intersection before the green light begins in the other direction. Um, the biggest solution that we can have to this uh, is not as easy as it sounds, but it's what I believe is best. We need cops. We, do you remember the days in Phoenix where motor officers used to patrol the surface streets? They know where the high traffic areas are. They know where the high speed areas are. And they would set up and they would run traffic. And you would either see a police officer on a motorcycle and think you're, you'd look down immediately and make sure you were going slow enough. If there are officers sitting at the corners on their motorcycle, you're going to stop at that yellow light instead of a red light. There is no replacement. There is no way that we are going to be able able to replace that value you know and again there's a difference between sitting and trying to catch speeders which is part of policing whether it's you know whoever it is whatever agency it is there is also value in trying to slow people down and make sure people obey traffic laws by being visible. There's two different things that cops do. When you look at troopers, man, uh, on the freeway, uh, when you, you can sit on the side of the road and you can peg speeders if you want. Or you can drive on the freeway and you're like a pace car out at PIR. Nobody passes them. It makes me crazy. I know there's got to be, and I hope that there's some troopers that are out there listening that will shoot me a message. I know you're laughing. I know that you're doing about five miles an hour under the speed limit sometimes, knowing no one's going to pass you giggling. Because what happens is they, they drive on the freeway for a while. There's a backup behind them because nobody wants to pass a trooper, even if you're doing the speed limit. And as soon as they exit the freeway, it's like a pace car. You're off to the races, man. We're back to 85 miles an hour. And uh, and here they come. And you, it's almost like you see the green flag waving. Um but in all seriousness, that visibility, people use their turn signals when they change lanes. People merge and allow other people to merge. People drive the speed limit or at least they drive at a safe speed on the freeways. And on the roadways, it's the same thing. You know, it, 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 the days of having officers 
and the availability of enough motor officers to let the public know that we've got a visibility now and we don't we don't goof around with traffic. We write tickets. Um, I remember it, it, there were times, and I don't know if they still do it, but on the first day or first couple of days of school, they would sit in school zones on motorcycles, visible, because they wanted you to take that 15-mile-an-hour school zone seriously. So it was a reminder, we're here, and you're going to get a ticket. If you're doing 18 and a 15, especially in a school zone when kids are present, present, you're right, you're getting written, you're getting a ticket. And it's the same thing in an intersection. As you approach an intersection in Phoenix, if you see a police vehicle, you stop when it turns yellow. And it's then nothing replaces it. Now, I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. I, you know, I'm I, I make sure if I got time to get through the light, I want to get through the light. I hate to, I hate being the first car to light. I hate it. But you also have to be safe. You don't want to take somebody's life or your own just to get to where you're going. And this, I don't know that these extended yellow lights, uh, again, according to the data, it stops, it slows people down. But that doesn't mean people still aren't going into the intersection on the yellow light. It just means they have more time. There are parts of the world that have two yellow lights. They have a a yellow light, and then it goes yellow and red, and then it goes red. So it warns you. Um, and And a green light, you know, when you're driving, you can see the crosswalk, and you can see how much time is left in a crosswalk to see. They call it a stale green, that the green light is about to change. So there are things when you drive in traffic for a long time that you can become a safe driver just by being aware. You know, you've got a stale green light. You're looking over at the crosswalk, and it's ticking down three, two, one, be prepared to stop as opposed to gun it to get through the intersection. Because a lot of our traffic uh, lights are, if you're on a, if you're on a green light in a turning lane, as long as it's safe, you can turn left on, on without a green arrow. And that's where a lot of these wrecks happen. The people turning left think that the person going straight is going to stop and it doesn't happen. And uh, I just think it's interesting because the other part of this is if you extend that yellow light, you are over time going to be building up traffic, especially on very high traffic parts of the day, rush hour. So do you then limit the amount of time that the light is green by a second or so, which means one or two less cars either get through it or they run the light because it's turning red. All of these things are part of the science of trying to fix this problem. I'm not an expert. I don't know the answer. But I do know that when we see police officers, especially on surface streets, on motorcycles, we drive more safely. Because they don't mess around. Their job is traffic, and that's what they do. And their job is to make sure. It isn't to be jerks. It's to make sure that we are treating each other respectfully and realizing that uh, on a freeway, it's different than a surface street with what you got to pay attention to and the results that can happen. So I thought this was an interesting story, and and uh, I, I'm anxious to find out what they end up doing. And hopefully, hopefully, it's we will fully fund our police officers around this valley so that we can get the motor officers on the streets again to just make sure people are being civil you know and keeping it somewhere near the speed limit um coming up in a moment uh, the latest solutions to climate change it's one of my favorite topics and our old friend al gore is back as he is in uh, the world economic forum and loses his mind it's going to be fun we'll talk about it in just a moment Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, 
just teasing me with Metallica now. I'm wrestling with the idea of getting Metallica tickets, and I don't want to spend the money. Now you're teasing me. Now I almost have to go to the concert. Um, it is one of my bucket list bands. I've never seen Metallica live, and I would love to see Metallica live. In September, they're going to be at uh, State Farm Stadium. And, oh, I don't know if I can pull the trigger on that. It's $575 a ticket for the section I want to sit in. I don't think I can do it. But if anybody wants to take me to the show, let me know. Um, we got to talk about climate change. Now, I've, I've maintained this for quite a while. It's the climate change activists that are their own worst enemy. Uh, I will tell you that I want you to hear a little bit. The, the guru of climate change is Al Gore. No doubt about it. Al Gore, global warming, inconvenient truth, all of the stuff that we know going back to the 1980s, and now it's climate change. He's in Davos. He is at the World Economic Forum, and I want you to hear just a little bit of what he has to talk about with climate change refugees. Of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees predicted to reach one billion in this century. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? We would lose our capacity for self-governance on this world. We have to act. So in answer to your question, I would say we have to have a sense of urgency much greater than we have yet had and we need have had and we need to make some changes. Um might I suggest that one of the changes we start with is grounding all those private jets in Davos and you all fly in one plane? Let's start there. Let, let's start with very simple things because they want all of us to change our lifestyle. There needs to be dramatic lifestyle changes in the average person worldwide in order to save the planet from climate change and they all got individual private jets to fly there to talk about it so you're going to start there let i just want to start there but when i say that climate change advocates are their own worst enemy i've got two stories and if you can keep a straight face with either one of them let me know um it has a big impact davos speaker calls for one billion people to stop eating meat he said it has a big impact. I have a question about this. And I, I this is sincerely a, an honest question. Um, would you say that the air in this world was cleaner in the days when the thousands and thousands of buffalo roamed North America or now? Um, the concern is the release of methane by the animals. There was a time in this country where there was no herd management. There was no, none of that happened. Was the air being destroyed then? I, I, so someone has to be able to answer that. Maybe there is a very simple answer to a very simple question, but here's the one. This is the one I love. This is from a Tennessee farmer who was on with Tucker Carlson, and I don't watch um, those news shows, so I don't watch Tucker's show. It's nothing against him. I didn't see this. I saw the story. And uh, Farmer speaks out against forcing cows to wear diapers to contain methane emissions. Let me read that again. Farmer speaks out against forcing cows to wear diapers to contain methane emissions. He said that people have gone to Looney Town. Yeah, I would. I, yeah, yeah, they have. Um, 
French dairy giant Danone, I think that's how it's pronounced, announced in mid-January it plans to put masks and diapers on cows to trap their flatulence and burps in an effort to reduce methane emissions by 30%. Now, I have been to France. Paris, traveled to uh, Champagne. I traveled around and uh, was in Normandy uh, for D-Day. Um, I want to go back now. I, I want to go back just so I can see a cow in diapers. I, I just, this is, how do you take it seriously? I mean, I take the environment seriously. I really do. I want I want a safe planet. I want my grandchildren to live the same childhood I lived, and I want their adulthood to be clean and water to be pure and air to be clean and the forest to be pristine and the, the herds of game animals to be maintained. I want all of that, and I'm an advocate for all of it. Um... But a cow in diapers, they are their own worst enemy. You've got people sitting at the World Economic Forum, all of which traveled there on private airplanes. And they're going to talk to me about my carbon footprint. All of them own multiple homes tallying thousands of square feet that have to be heated and cooled. And they're going to talk to me about my my carbon footprint. All of the hypocrisy that goes with this doesn't mean that climate change is an issue for some people, but there are people out there that get it. And even if I disagree with them, which I do, about man-made climate change in many ways, there's a lot we can do to protect our planet. But we are human beings are not the, the bane of the existence of this planet. In my opinion, I respect someone that practices what they preach. If you are somebody that believes that this planet is destined for destruction because of the behavior of mankind and you've altered your behavior because of that, I applaud you. I don't agree with you, but you are someone that practices what you preach. How any of you could stand up and defend an Al Gore with the immense wealth, which I have no problem with, but with the homes he owns and the square footage he heats and cools and the private planes he travels on, along with all of the other people that are at this economic forum that want to preach to the world about changing their behavior. And one of their solutions is diapers for cows. If you can do that with a straight face, you're a better person than me, a much better person than me. Just after 10 o'clock, the U.S. economy is in trouble. If we do not raise the debt ceiling, we'll explain the debt ceiling. You'll hear reports of it, how bad it could possibly get next.